0: This is the Muscles and Management Podcast, where we build your body and your business. Talking all things training, sports performance, and business for athletes and aspiring coaches to enhance your training and better your career. Muscles and Management is brought to you by Challenger Strength with your host, Jerry DiFilippo. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 93 of the Muscles and Management Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe if you have not already. I greatly appreciate it. Um, So I wanted to just make a couple announcements real quick uh, before we get into anything. And the first one is going to be the new nutrition segment with Julian every Wednesday. So basically what we're going to do is every Wednesday episode I'm going to have Julian come on for a couple minutes and just talk about a, a topic in nutrition, something important um, you know, that would be informational and helpful for you guys and uh, kind of just build it out from there. And I, I want to build his um, reach to you and uh, kind of your trust in him and what he does and his knowledge. So uh, that's going to be something that's starting this week on Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that. Um, I also want to talk a little bit about. What's going to be going on with this challenger strength programming challenge that I just released, and actually what is going on with it? So, essentially, I released on Twitter yesterday the excuse me, I take a coffee. I released the um, basic situation or the premise of the athlete for the programming challenge. So, go on uh, Twitter and check that out if you haven't yet. And what it really is, is I don't have all the specifics in front of me of the, of the athlete, but I was like 15 years old, a 15-year-old athlete. Uh, these are the testing numbers that he put up and uh, here's kind of where he is and, you know, kind of just take it and run with it. And I was getting a lot of questions like how many days a week does he have to train? Uh, I believe I put a two-day training week on there. But what I really want to get to is like I'm not trying to give you like – 15 to 20 different details and stipulations, almost like to spell it out. Like I want to put it there. I want to give you like his vertical, his deadlift, like his uh, body weight and all that kind of stuff. And then just kind of let you guys build it. Like that's part of this is like, send me a write up of how you did it. Like what decisions you make. You could make your own decisions. Like if you tell me, like I decided that like this kid could only train two times a week based on the situation. Here's what we did. And you explain to me why you did that. Made that decision or or that was just like, hey, I, I'm assuming it's going to be this. Here's how I would handle it if that were the case and you explain it well and it makes sense. Like I'm totally cool with that. Like I want this to be free range, like you guys kind of just taking it into your own hands and taking those couple different things that I give you. And I'm basically going to pick like who laid it out the best, who explained it the best. Like that's really what, what this is going to be. So don't get too crazy about asking me all these different questions and, and trying to micromanage. Like I'm not judging you. Like this isn't for a job interview uh, I'm not gonna like send this out to all the strength coaches I know who are looking for for interns and stuff. Like that's not what this is about. It's a, it's a monthly thing so we can practice and I can you know put out a couple different ones maybe or one I pick as a winner and explain why I like the thought process and then kind of give you a little insight when I do that on what my thought process would have been. So you guys can kind of learn from that a little bit. And then we just keep going month by month and we get better. So don't freak out about it. Like do your best and explain it the best you can. And then every month, like I've said, I'll pick a winner. I'll use a couple examples for some posts and some explanations to learn. Like that's what we're going to do. We're going to learn. So don't freak out about that. Um, and then Wednesday show in terms of guests this week, I have, excuse me one second. I'm looking. Uh, we have Matt Shadid from uh, UMass. He's the director of sports performance. There works a lot with the football team uh, and a lot of those athletes. So he will be coming on this week. Very good episode. He's just a really smart guy. And, and, and again, like I, I say this a lot, but like someone that I had on that is very smart, but at the same time can like make simple concepts or make complex concepts easy to understand and we go through a litany of different things so just be on the lookout for that you guys are going to love that uh anytime you can you listen to a division 1 director of sports performance you you absolutely have to so uh look forward to that uh all right so on to today's show how to effectively blend strength and speed training so I was thinking about it and I I get a lot of questions on this and this kind of just popped up into my head today on on what I wanted to talk about and then I threw the outline together. But um, I really want to go over the idea of, you know, can we, you know, blend strength and speed training together? We absolutely can. But like kind of how I do that and how you can do that and some tips for that. But like also – what, what what can we do to to maximize what we get out of both of them and not diminish them with the other, if that makes sense? So how can I make my speed training as effective as possible and still strength train without diminishing my speed training? How can I, you know, speed train and make sure that I'm ready for a good strength training session? And it all depends on what your goals are and where you are, and where you stand and kind of the feedback from testing and what things you need. But there are some generals that we can really go over. So, um, you know. I think the first thing you have to ask in this situation is what is guiding the decision making process and like what are we prioritizing here? And a couple things that really tell us. or or help us make those decisions in terms of what we're prioritizing and what's guiding the decision-making process. So the training age of the athlete, first and foremost, like how long has the athlete been training? Training age is way more effective to use in terms of – instead of just regular age when it comes to assessing an athlete and what they need, how long have they been training? How long have they been seriously training? Um, This is one of the biggest questions I ask my athletes when I do remote programming with them, like how – and even in in that – Come in the facility as well. How long have you been strength training or speed training? Have you done this? Have you done that? Find out about their background. Like, oh, okay, serious strength training for the last two years has a 400-pound deadlift. Like, that's going to tell me something. Like, maybe I don't need to focus on that as much, and I'm going to focus more on speed training. You got to find out what that is, right? Training needs of the athlete. This goes along with the training age. And now I found out, okay, athlete 16, they've been training for two years since they were 14, pretty seriously, like four times a week. They built up a nice strength base. So now I test them. I see that they have a nice strength base. Like they're, you know, lifting a, uh, 400 pounds on their trap bar at age 16 uh, with with good mechanics. They're, uh, let's say their vertical jump, right? So now they do their vertical jump and there's a um, small discrepancy between their static vertical and their regular vertical. Well, this would obviously on a basic sense tell me that, You know, they're not really utilizing the stretch shortening cycle well. They have a really strong deadlift. Like, okay, like maybe we need to prioritize speed a little more. Or they have a big gap between the two numbers. They're not getting a lot of force. And they've never really strength trained before, but they've done a lot of speed training. They've done a lot of um traditional sprint work. Okay, this might change things a little bit for me. The time of the year or the season, right? Um, what really you know what is the goal of the athlete like are they at the beginning of the off season? we can prioritize strength and hypertrophy maybe a little bit more are they in season so now we want to maintain things but we also want to maintain our speed right we want to make sure that we're not uh letting that diminish it's got very very quick residuals in terms of like if you don't work on it in a week you could start to see it diminish right um, what are we, you know, trying to accomplish based on the time of year, the season it is, cause that can affect a lot of things. And then overall, what are our training goals? Right? So am I trying to just get faster? If i I've, I've done my testing and I've realized that I need to work on a lot of speeds. Okay. So speed is my goal, velocity, unresisted sprints, unresisted jumps, things like that. Uh, I need a lot of strength to build strength and force right early on an athlete with a young training age maximum strength building maximum strength is going to do a really good job of raising every attribute up with it right so it's like one of those things where like the rising tide uh, raises all ships so the younger athlete and and their goals might be for more max strength okay then like I'm not going to freak out as much. Um with a 12-year-old in terms of like, oh, like my strength work can't affect my sprint training. Like their nervous system isn't intricate enough and they're not putting enough power out there for you to be like, okay, like, you know, four sprints are gonna absolutely cook and fry them. Like it's a it's different, right? Um all right, so you you are figuring out what is guiding your decision-making process and what you have to prioritize, but now you're wondering, okay, like how do I order my training week, right? Uh I I say speed should come first. Why though? So when it comes to training, sprinting is generally or usually one of the biggest priorities we have for an athlete. And on top of that, it is the most intense activity we can do. It's the fastest activity, it's the most demanding on our nervous system and all of the above, right? So generally speaking, that is the first thing we should try to do in our training week so we're completely fresh to do it and can get the most out of it, right? We talk a lot about sprint fast to get fast. I can't sprint fast if I'm fatigued, right? If I do it earlier in the week, I'm more likely to be fresh and to put a lot into it. There are exceptions. I talked about this before on Twitter. But you have if you have an athlete that you know is probably drinking um, on a weekend or they just haven't worked out in a week or whatever it is and they're just not going to be set and ready to go, an older athlete, like I said, might be drinking on a weekend, a holiday weekend, you can give them a session to kind of get things back to neutral um, and – uh, if they're fatigued and place aerobic recovery, maybe before speech, like a nice easy circuit or something of that nature to kind of shift them back a little bit and have them ready for maybe on a Monday you do that. And then on a Tuesday, now they're actually gonna be ready for their speed training. So in the same vein as I don't want to whack them with strength and be right away in the week and then have them do speed after when they're tired. I also don't want them to do speed training when they're tired already, because that could also not be uh, the most optimal. Uh, if you can, I mean, this again, this depends how many what your goals are, how many days a week you have to train and all that kind of stuff. But try to have uh, your strength day that would follow your speed day, be uppers only if you can. Obviously if you have to, you would do full body. But what I'm trying to say is if, like, if I do a speed day on Monday, I could do strength uppers on Tuesday Um, maybe I could do strength lowers on Wednesday. So now I've had a day off from the speed to do my lowers, take Thursday off, and then I can do more speed work on Friday. So now if I'm going back to my Friday, I haven't done speed since Monday and I haven't touched my legs since Wednesday, I'm going to be a little or as fresh as we possibly can be for that second speed day. So I would recommend that if you can, if you have to do a full body day, you can, the same rules can apply. Like I can do a Monday speed day, a Tuesday full body a Wednesday off to full body strength on Tuesday, Wednesday, completely off. And then Thursday come back with my speed work. Right. And then I could also end the week on Friday with more strength work. Cause then that's going to give me Saturday and Sunday to have off before I come back Monday with speed. So you kind of get the pattern here and the idea. If it's possible, you want to have three days between your speed days. So if you do this a Monday speed day, like it'd be best if you could hold off till Friday again, maybe, or Thursday at least to do uh, to do another one. Um, and you also would like to have at least one day between that first strength day and that second speed day at least. A two would be great. Um, we need to remember that in most cases, even with the younger athlete where like strength is more of a base thing that we're trying to build it's more important, strength is to enhance speed, right? Let's not have strength or hypertrophy work negatively impact speed. If speed is your main priority, right? If you're really sore, you moved a lot of weight, you did all these negatives. Oh, great, coach. I can't walk the next day. Like athletes try to say all the time. Like, oh, that workout was great. I couldn't even walk. Oh, man, I'm still beat from that session yesterday. It really destroyed me. Like, that's not a, a goal. Like, I don't want to look at myself and say, oh, my legs are cooked. My pro trainer had me do uh, prowler pushes up and down the turf for 45 straight minutes. My legs feel fried. And I, can't, I built no speed. Okay, go do sprints the next day. You're not going to go with max speed, and and you're not going to build speed. Are you going to be a little more, quote-unquote, conditioned maybe on the ice? Yeah, but in a sport, let's say I'm talking about hockey in this instance, but it's good for all team sports. If I'm going to go out there, go on the field, go on the ice, and you're looking at team sports where max speed is a big priority, and I haven't enhanced that at all, it's going to be really hard. If I have athletes that have been doing properly rested and properly guided speed training early on in the week and getting faster, they're going to blow my doors off right? So I need to make sure that I'm not negatively or adversely impacting speed if that is my priority. All right. So take a step back now and let's look at some younger um, or more basic athletes where, you know, maybe they're working speed and strength in the same session. Uh, Excuse me, a little coffee sip. All right. Working speed and strength in the same session. So there are times where there can be schedule restrictions that require us to maybe only have one to two days of training um, you know, and the athlete's going to need to work strengthening and, and a great deal if they're going to, if they're a novice. So like they they're limited in one to two days a week of training or strength is going to be big for them. And we want to really prioritize that. Like that's, you know, it's, it's one a and one B in terms of speed and strength when that's the case. If that's the case, there are going to be times where we have to work speed and strength in the same session. So like, Let's talk a little bit about what we can do to make that as effective as possible and some guidelines. So you absolutely can work both strength and speed in the same session, and you shouldn't be afraid to do so, right? There's just the right way to do it. Um, I've heard some people say to not work both of those together as they are different qualities, but I kind of disagree with that because sprinting is paramount. And in the center of what we do when we're working with team sport athletes, like there's really never going to be a time where we don't do it. So if that's the case, like do we never strength train? Like how can I say like, I never want to work those two qualities at the same time or in the same cycle or even in the same day? Like if I have a younger athlete in middle school, let's just say, and they can only come train once or twice a week, like I have to speed and strength train. Like I need to do both. So like I can't look at them and say, oh, you're not going to speed and strength train in the same day because I think it's going to negatively impact you. Like, no, we got to get both of them done, right? So – if you are doing all of these qualities together in either in the same session or you could also look at this as a way to say, okay, in my training week, here are the qualities in terms of the order of importance in saying like, okay, I want to do these first and I don't want to let the later ones affect the ones at the top. So look at it as like a pyramid if you're working from the top down in a pyramid, right? You would have speed at the top, uh, power right below it, strength down below that, and then hypertrophy. So Why? Speed is the most skill-intensive thing that we're going to be doing, right? It's very taxing on us in terms of the max velocity that's involved in it. Um, It's very nervous system-based, things like that. If you do something like speed after the other qualities, it's not going to be as positive in terms of what it can do for the athlete as it would it would be if it's done with full rest and full recovery. From there, power work. So again, if you're looking at this in terms of the same session, like, You did your sprints. Now we can do some med ball throws or jumps after that. Loaded jumps, whatever they are, whatever we have to do. Following that, now if you're looking at this, it's kind of working back up the curve, the force velocity curve. We have strength. Strength is still very important, but we don't want to let our strength work diminish our speed and uh, our power training, right? We might do strength training. If it fatigues us, now we can't get as much out of our speed and power work. I'd rather be a little more fatigued for my strength training than I would if I to say I'd rather have my athletes um, really really energized for strength training and then fatigued for speed and power. So in a training session for us, it's always if we're doing both in the same session, it's sprints and then jumps or med ball work or whatever it is, and then our strength work. And then if we have some accessories, this is a good segue. After that, they'd be for hypertrophy, right? So that's especially going to be last because if there's tempos or tensions associated with that, we're trying to build muscle. That's going to create soreness and fatigue, and we do not want that to affect our speed if it's done beforehand. Now, when you look at this in the grand scheme of a whole training week, you have to understand that from one session to the next, things can affect other things, right? So I don't. I want to try to minimize as best as I can how my high-volume hypertrophy work is going to make me sore for my speed work. If I have enough days off in between, then I don't have to worry about that. Same with my strength and, and things like that. So that is like that hierarchy or that pyramid of how I would order those. All right. So we talked a great deal now about the uh, beginner athlete, but what about the advanced athlete, right? For the advanced athlete, if I, I'm talking like five-plus training years. Like they have a really – good physique and quality muscle mass. If hypertrophy isn't your main need or goal, minimize long eccentrics and isos, isometric tempos or time under tension in weight training to just minimize that delayed onset muscle soreness or fatigue that can affect sprinting or power work. If you don't need to put a lot of mass on, like why would you do that type of stuff? You're going to just diminish your speed uh, training and even your strength training, right? And if you're an advanced athlete and and getting faster is the biggest thing for you, like that's important. We can't have that. Um, if you are more advanced or have strictly speed needs, you want to do all that you can to keep your two speed days unaffected by your strength work, right? So now even going beyond hypertrophy. Um if I'm doing strength work, if I if I realize that I need strength to improve other areas of my game or to help with my speed. I can still do concentric only or overcoming iso work. It's a great way to get that neural drive or that strength impact, but without as much muscle soreness after from things that involve eccentric. So, um, you know, maybe doing a, a barbell squat into the pins and when I'm pressing as hard as I can for 10 seconds would make me a little less sore than a full, um, squat with the eccentric or doing a trap bar deadlift and just pulling it from the floor and then dropping it down afterwards you don't, sometimes you don't need that stuff. Not everybody, but if you are a more advanced athlete, it is a tip or a way that you can get away uh, with doing your strength work without getting as much muscle soreness for your speed. Um, You can also utilize high slash low nervous system CNS days. So this could be a really good way to do strength work after speed work and then have a low impact day in between to ensure that our high CNS days will be a couple days later or, or, or apart from each other. To keep ourselves completely fresh, so this would be like okay, lower uh, body, high CNS. I'm going to sprint. I'm going to jump. I'm going to do lower body strength training and my hypertrophy. Let's say I want to work all the qualities in the beginning of the off season, or I mean, at, at any, any point in the season, I'm working all the qualities at once. I can do that, and then I could take two days in between of low CNS days, like maybe an upper uh, aerobic circuit, and then a lower aerobic circuit, and then a day off, and then I do my next high CNS day. So if I'm doing those things again. I'm completely fresh going into them. Right. So that's another good thing that we can do. Um, I would utilize that in times where maybe athletes are playing games in season type thing. And you want to limit um, their high CNS training days because they're also having high CNS impacts while they're playing. That'd be be a really good time to, to utilize something like that. All right. Last but not least, and this is really, really important. I think this kind of breaks up, breaks down or builds the entire landscape of what we just talked about. You need to know how to build your programming schedule, right? I, in my opinion, true athletes never work on traditional block schedules. I'm talking block like, okay, we're going to do strength for six weeks and we're not going to do strength and we're going to do power then we're not going to do power anymore. We're going to only focus on speed. I don't think athletes should ever or really do ever do that. Why? We are or should always be sprinting, right? Max speed has a shelf life of less than a week. Like If we don't work on it, it's going to diminish after about a week. And in team sports, speed is so paramount and one of the main priorities for us. Why would you ever completely get rid of it and strictly focus on, let's say, strength in a cycle and not do any speed work? Even if speed work isn't the priority, you're still going to do a little bit of it in the beginning of your session or in some capacity so that you don't let that quality diminish because it is so important for for us. As such, I believe that we are never truly working a block that focuses on only one one attribute. Like I, I think to say that block training exists in any type of way for athletes. I know this is like a big statement here, but like I don't think there's ever a time where we shouldn't have an athlete sprinting or jumping. And if that's the case, like how could we ever say we're doing traditional block training? You're always working that speed attribute even if it's a little bit while you're doing strength. You're never going to completely just focus on one attribute. You might prioritize something a little more than the others, but you're never going to completely focus on it. Lastly, build your schedule uh, for your training cycle before you put together your your variations and your exercise and everything. So you're like okay, athlete A, they're going to have a 6 week cycle coming up and and I tested them and here's our priority or here's the things we need to work on. List these certain areas out. So um, you know, when you build it, say okay, this is going to be from X date to the to the to whatever date's going to be the end of it. Um, list like headings in your in your programming schedule. When I say a schedule, it's like okay, I can refer back to this thing and I can easily see and discern what my goals were and what we were trying to achieve, right? Then I can go build my specific program with exercises and things like that. But I want to spell out what my volume is going to be, uh, what my goals are going to be with my main movements, like strength more or power more. Uh, are my sprints going to be more basic and we're working on more c- mechanics? Or um, are we going to be doing plyometrics that are unloaded because the athlete needs more uh, stretch shortening cycle work and more velocity work? Are they going to be loaded jumps? Um, what's my rep range going to be on my main movements, my supplemental movements, my accessories, what are the rep ranges going to be? Why do I have those rep ranges? Like, what are my goals for those certain things? Uh, things like that, like spell all of that out in a broad sense and refer back to that as your compass, your guide to like what you're doing week by week in your programming. Like you're going to have those pillars identified and set up and established, and you could change your variations and your exercises off of that. So uh, just to keep this and, and not ramble too much. It's a, I'm a pretty happy with the length of this episode right now. Um, that was like all I had to say on that. I, I think I tried to, I tried to break it up as best I could in terms of novice versus advanced and then general tips and, and building a schedule and things like that. So uh, I, I do hope that was helpful. If maybe you, you listened to it the first time, want to go back and take some notes on it. If you didn't um, I tried to spell it out as best I could, so you could take this stuff and apply it. Uh, and I, I do hope it was helpful in some regard. So, Uh, that's it for today. I hope that was, that was good for you guys. And you enjoyed that. Uh, we will see you again on Wednesday. I'm back with Matt Shadid and, uh, you know, you guys are going to love that one. So make sure you tune in as always. I will talk to you guys next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to another episode of the muscles and management podcast brought to you by challenger strength. I'm your host, Jaredy Filippo signing off on the show. That's changing the way we view training, sports, performance, and business.